Views by land and sea, friendly pub culture, and incredible music make this beautiful place a space at the top of my bucket list. Welcome to Traveling with AAA. I'm your host, Mary Herondeen. Today, we are traveling to the land of saints and scholars, Ireland. We are joined by Jessica Colley-Clark, a New York-based freelance writer. Her stories have appeared in the New York Times, Afar, Condé Nast Traveler, Bon Appetit, The Financial Times, New York Magazine, and Sever. She's married to an Irishman and considers Ireland her second home. Jessica is here to give us insider information we need to really immerse ourselves in Irish culture and traditions so we can travel like a local. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Mary. Excited to be here. Thank you. We're excited to have you. Now, like I said, Ireland's been at the top of my bucket list, and it's just thinking about that beautiful scenery and imagining myself in one of these pubs. Now, Ireland has a reputation for being one of the friendliest, most welcoming places in the world. When did you take your first trip, and what was your first impression? Well, I first visited Ireland in 2007, and I remember arriving at Dublin Airport and all the people, even passport control, being so warm and humorous and cheeky. So for me, that first impression, it was really striking. Um, you know, I had no clue then just how deep my obsession with Ireland would run, both as a journalist and also in my personal life. As you mentioned there in the intro, I met my now husband just a few days after I stepped foot in Ireland for the very first time, just walking down the street in the center of Dublin. Um, you know, some people who encounter my writing assume I have Irish heritage, but I don't have any Irish background at all, actually. There's just something about the place. You know, it has so many layers, a soulfulness, and that just draws me back again and again. You can really see that it it really is a beautiful place. And I imagine it feels like home when you go there if everybody's so welcoming. It seems like everyone wants to travel like a local these days, Jessica. And you have a wonderful article in the current issues of Westways and AAA Explorer magazines about the pub and bookshop culture. And it really sounds like the best way to get a local experience is, is kind of to visit a pub. But that seems very different than just going to a bar in some other country. Could you tell us a little bit about Ireland's pub culture and what visitors can do to fit in? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, so the pub in Ireland is an extension of the Irish living room. It's an alive place. It's central to the community. And that's important because so many people who travel to Ireland may never get to go inside an actual Irish living room, but they can still have that same experience in a pub. So I guess my advice, if you want to fit in, is to treat the pub like you would entering someone's home. So don't be in a rush, be patient, and be sure to ask questions. I mean, it seems simple, but talk to the barman. You might find out he's the pub owner or his family owns the pub, and he probably knows every restaurant and swimming hole and walking trail within 100 miles. Yeah. Uh, for example, this past summer, mm -hmm. I was in rural County Donegal, and I had a couple hours to kill. So I asked the man who was sleeping up the bar in the hotel, who turned out to be the owner of the hotel, what he would do with two hours, and he gave me step-by-step -step directions to this hidden pink sand beach. And it was just a stunning place that I never would have found on my own. Wow. Um, I'd also like to share some specific tips about fitting in at an Irish pub. I was talking about this podcast with my husband last night over dinner, and his advice was don't order a Budweiser. While it may be on the menu, uh, be sure to order a Guinness instead. And no matter what you do, be sure to let that pint settle before picking it up for a first sip. 
Um, <laughs> if you have any Irish heritage, I'd also suggest knowing the county where your family came from, as that can be a great conversation starter. And one final thought on pub culture in general, as I tried to capture in my Pints and Pros story, is that when you go to an Irish pub, you won't find you know, blaring TVs with sports or the news. People come to the pub to read or drink or talk. So do those things and you'll fit right in. I actually really appreciate that because I'm not such a big fan of, you know, all the TVs with all different sports on and how loud it is. And I enjoy just talking over a beer with a friend or a glass of wine. So um, that actually, that's right up my alley. That's my jam. Well, Thank you sure. know, <laughs> good. And um, pints of Guinness, you know, shots of whiskey. I'm wondering, do you have to drink alcohol to feel comfortable in an Irish pub? Or um, are, you know, folks so welcoming to those who aren't drinking? You know, this answer may surprise you, Mary, but but no, you don't need to drink alcohol to feel comfortable in an Irish pub. Um, you know, the pub, especially in smaller villages, it's a community gathering place. I mean, depending on the time of day, you might walk in and see most people drinking a pot of tea. You know, oh. families are welcome. Um, there might be more small bottles of Valley Gowan sparkling water than glasses of whiskey on the bar. Um, but one game changer in recent years that is worth mentioning is the introduction of alcohol-free beers, including mm -hmm. Guinness Zero. Um, so after dark, you know, you might not see as many pots of tea on the table, but order a Guinness Zero and you'll be sure to fit right in. Um, one other thing to consider is that the Irish take drunk driving very seriously. So if someone has driven to the pub, it's very likely they won't be drinking at all. Mm -hmm. And you can join them in drinking um, an Irish soft drink. Uh, there's a popular one called Miwadi. Oh, tell me about that. I had no idea about this popular Irish soft drink. What's it like? Yeah, it comes in a couple different flavors, um, orange and blackcurrant. And um, it's just sort of a, you know, Irish soft drink soda. And um, you're likely to see them when you walk into an Irish pub. That's interesting and, and really great information for those who aren't drinking on their trip, um, especially, you know, nice to hear. Now, when we come back, we'll hear more about the literary culture if you can dream the perfect international adventure, you can create it with Trip Canvas from AAA Travel, the all-in-one platform that lets you research, plan, and book the ultimate getaway. Trip Canvas, let's go somewhere. Welcome back to Traveling with AAA. I'm your host, Mary Herondine, and we're joined by Jessica Colley-Clark, who is getting us familiar um, like an Ireland local. Jessica, welcome back. Hi, Mary. Now, the other focus of your story is about Ireland's literary culture. Why is Ireland known as the land of saints and scholars? Oh, wow. Where to start? <laughs> um, you know, you you walk around Dublin and I mean, even today, you know, most people, not most people, a lot of people consider themselves writers, poets. It's It's just such a big part of their culture. It's you know, poems are plastered on bus stops and you listen to the radio and you hear people talking about books and poems. And um, that's something that I really connected with about Irish culture when I first visited. Yeah, amazing. Now, some of the world's greatest writers have been Irish and pubs play a role in that, as you mentioned earlier. And you wrote an article about how to do a literary pub crawl. So how exactly do you do a literary pub crawl? Yeah. Um, so the first step for a pub crawl or a literary pub crawl, according to my Irish father-in-law, is to prepare. And that means that if you plan on drinking 
to get some ballast in your stomach. So do not attempt a literary pub crawl on an empty stomach. Don't just eat a salad. Uh, once you've had a solid lunch or early dinner, then you're ready to sit out. Um, so you have a couple options. You could join an organized pub crawl or literary tour. There are plenty of those on offer in Dublin and beyond. Or you could design your own. Um, in Dublin, you could mix in you know, certain literary landmarks like Moli or the Museum of Literature Ireland. Uh, between pubs mentioned maybe in Ulysses or pubs where the poet Patty Kavanaugh used to drink. But I guess the truth is that even if you don't set out on a literary pub crawl, you might be on one anyway. As <laughs> so many of the pubs have deep connections to writers over the centuries. Um, for what it's worth, some of my favorite traditional pubs in Dublin include Toners, Keogh's, and Grogan's. Mm-hmm. Or one to check out with a bit more flair in the decor is the Long Hall. All right. So uh, the long haul is with the decor and flair. Would you describe it for us? Sure. It's sort of a Victorian pub. Um, so some very traditional Irish pubs can feel a bit a bit spare, but the long haul has you know kind of ornate decor and red velvet, and it just it feels kind of like an over the top old world mm-hmm. uh, pub that is very welcoming and has a great atmosphere. That sounds like fun. Now, what are some other tips you can give visitors for getting the most out of their visit to Ireland? Yeah, you know, I'd say like lean into the idea that you're a tourist and that you don't know anything. (laughs) I mean, Irish people are, you know, they're suckers for humor, for humility, for self-deprecation. I think that this, I think it activates their hospitality gene or something. Mm -hmm. And local knowledge is really the key to getting the most out of a visit to Ireland. So simply by slowing down and talking to people, I mean, anywhere from the corner shop to the grocery store to your taxi driver, you're likely to glean information that could define your trip. I mean, maybe there's a local Gaelic football game you could attend or a walk only locals know about, or somebody recently started a bakery truck and it only appears, you know, one day a week in town. Even a statement as simple as I've never been here before. Do you have any suggestions on things to do? I mean, that's going to get an Irish person talking. (laughs) Then one other thought is don't be afraid to follow random signs on the roadside. You know, I followed signs for an oyster farm, signs in Irish. Uh, The word tra, T-R-A, is the Irish word for beach. Uh, Even signs for coffee. You know, so I once stumbled on a a coffee truck in Connemara, just perched high above Killary Fjord. I think it's called um, the Misunderstood Heron. And -hmm. just by pulling over, by following that coffee sign, I saw one of the most epic views I'd ever encountered in Ireland. Uh, So basically traveling in Ireland, it's all about being open to serendipity. Yeah, it sounds like be curious and and don't be afraid to be curious either. Awesome. That's that's really helpful. Now, you also write a a lot about food. Tell us about the food in Ireland. Is there anything visitors need to know? Oh, Mary, I mean, (laughs) the food in Ireland is literally in my dreams. You know, oysters straight from the sea, farmhouse cheeses, even the little things like the quality of the milk in your morning tea. Mm -hmm. It's all just so stellar. But there are a few tips to make sure you find the best of the best. So first, it may sound simple, but order local. I mean, sure, the avocado has made its way to Ireland, but I wouldn't recommend going in that direction. Irish food is so sublime because of the quality of local produce. So I typically opt for dishes made with Irish ingredients. You know, a bowl of vegetable soup with a thick slice of crumbly brown bread. It may just shock you how much flavor is present in such a humble lunch. You know, order the seafood. Don't skip the chips or French fries. Ask about the specials. Ask what's fresh. Um, 
And the second tip I'll share is that traditional isn't the only way to go. You know, right now there are so many Irish chefs that are pushing boundaries with food, chefs who gained experience cooking abroad and are bringing those sensibilities back home and marrying them with high quality Irish ingredients. There's a, a restaurant called Host in the Dublin neighborhood of Ranla that rivals just about any restaurant I've eaten at in New York. And for the adventurous traveler, maybe looking to go off the beaten path, um, during my trip this summer, I had a stellar meal at a restaurant tucked away behind the old Glen Bar in coastal Donegal. So that was really a meal worth traveling for. Oh, that sounds so good. I love good food. And right now, um, it is pouring rain outside. It's dumping. And I'm in California. We don't often, we don't get a whole lot of rain where I'm at in Southern California. Um, so now all I'm thinking about is like a hot stew, warm bread. That sounds really, really good. And especially for this type of weather, is <laughs> would I be encountering weather similar in Ireland? You might be. Um, I mean, I agree with you about just how comforting that kind of food can be. The weather in Ireland is very changeable, you know, so it may be pouring rain in the morning and then by lunchtime, the sun is out. Um, so just because you wake up to a rainy day, doesn't mean you're going to be soggy all day. It's <laughs> good news. Now, how do you find good, affordable places to stay? You know, this may be one of the best things about Ireland. I mean, yes, the country is home to many five-star castles and luxury hotels that are just phenomenal, but that's not where your average Irish person stays and Irish people travel. So there are plenty of good, affordable options across the country to accommodate them. I've stayed in simple bed and breakfasts that are just as comfortable as the fanciest five-star hotel. And often the breakfast, you know, maybe with eggs from the backyard chicken coop, you know, it might be even better than the fancy hotel. I will say that off-season in Ireland is home to really attractive hotel deals. So if you want like a steal on those five-star, you know, sometimes the winter travel, the spring travel can really bring that out. Um, but even if you want to travel in June, which I'd highly recommend because mm -hmm. the days are so long, you know, the light lasts until after 10 o'clock at night, you know, you could still expect to pay maybe 125 euros a night to stay at a small independently run hotel or bed and breakfast in the countryside, be comfortable, hospitable, and they'll probably point you to great things to do. Um, one caveat, though, is not to expect great water pressure. Okay. <laughs> but personally, I've made peace with weak showers in exchange mm -hmm. for everything else that those places offer. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a bad trade-off. Now, what about traveling with young kids to Ireland? I've considered, you know, taking my little ones. I have one who will be eight this week and a four-year-old. And I'm just thinking about, you know, the weather or the the wet and the mud. Any tips? Yeah, I mean, this is a question I get a lot. And I'll say that in general, Ireland is very friendly toward young kids. And you know, this is a country of big families. Many of my friends have three or four children. So the country is really built to accommodate them. Um, kids are welcome in pubs during the day. So if you're looking to experience the pub culture, you know, I'd recommend a weekend lunch with the kids to soak up the atmosphere and the music. Um, Dublin also has great parks, but beyond the playground, you know, what I'd really recommend is to do what the Irish do and that's to walk. So mm -hmm. explore the Wicklow mountains, walk along the coast in Dublin. There's a great coastal path, um, in Hoth, or you could explore the beach at Kalini, you know, bring your rain jacket with a hood, you know, mm -hmm. bring waterproof shoes, um, and you'll be fine. Um, 
you know, in general, Irish people love kids. So don't be surprised if bringing your kids along actually engages the Irish in conversation and, you know, opens the door to, to something fun. That's really great news. I think I'm more worried about somebody else's reaction to my kids running around with the mud or whatever else. And um, it's it's nice to hear that there's that welcomeness and almost, you know, the joy of uh, seeing the kids running around. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, we can't talk about Ireland without talking about music from Enya to U2 to uh, Inhaler or Picture This. Where do you recommend people go to hear great music? You know, I think music is essential to the Irish experience. Um, my single best night of music in Ireland took place in a pub called Lowry's in the village of Clifton in County Galway and listening to a fiddler play violin there. I mean, honestly, brought tears to my eyes. Um, mm. I mentioned that pub in my, my Pints and Pro story. Um, some other places for music include the village of Doolin in County Clare. It has one kind of main street with lots of pubs that offer live music most nights. Or for something larger, the city of Galway is known mm-hmm. for its live music both traditional and modern. And if you just go for a stroll along the pedestrianized main street, you'll hear lots of music. Um, in Dublin, I'd recommend looking up the session schedule at pubs like O'Donoghue's or on the north side, the Cobblestone. Mm-hmm. These sessions are informal gatherings of local musicians, and it's just incredible to see them play together and improvise. Um, they're usually at least weekly, those sessions, if not more frequent. And then I'd also recommend going to the website for the National Concert Hall in Dublin and see what's on during your visit. You you might catch Irish musician Glenn Hansard or Irish fiddler Martin Hayes on stage. And that's just a gorgeous venue, the, the National Concert Hall. Wow. The way you're giving advice, you really are, you know, um, an Irish local. It, it's, you know... It's, it really is your second home. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now, finally, before we go, Jessica, if someone is considering a trip to Ireland, what's the single most important thing that they should have in mind? You know, I think the single most important thing is don't overschedule yourself. You know, Ireland is a place for serendipity, but you as a traveler, you have to set the stage to allow for serendipity to happen. So, you know, you need to go slower than maybe you're even comfortable going. I mean, that's about the right pace for Ireland. And for me, serendipity is something, you know, it's mostly missing from my day-to-day life. So that makes it even more special to find when I travel. Mm -hmm. And Ireland will definitely give that gift if you allow enough kind of unscheduled time for it to happen. Thank you so much for such great advice. Jessica, again, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure's all ours, I'm sure. And thank you to our listeners for being with us. If you're planning a trip, be sure to connect with a AAA travel advisor. Check out AAA.com forward slash travel or visit your local branch. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I'm Mary Herondine. Thank you for traveling with AAA.